0: Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley, and we're here to talk all things leadership. Well, hello. It's been a short while. We've had a bit of a hiatus, but we're back with a new episode. And my guest this week is my colleague and co-author, Business partner, John Barrett, again, because we're here to talk some more about choices. And I think this is our third episode talking about choices, but we, uh, we want to keep digging into that. So welcome, John.
1: Oh, thanks, David. Good to see you.
0: <laughs> it's good to see- <laughs> Remotely.
1: Yeah, <it's> good <laughs> to see you, too. Yeah, well, as good as it gets, right?
0: So uh, we're car- carrying on our conversation from the What Great Teams Do Great book. And uh, the foundation of everything that we talk about in terms of leadership is about choice. And the idea that it's not the rank, the status, the, uh, the size of your office, it's about the choices you make on a daily basis that impact and influence the people around us. Why choices? So,
1: there's a lot of ways of thinking about how to be a leader. And I would say that whenever we ask people, you know, do you want to be a good leader? The answer is, you know, 99.999 times out of 100 absolutely people put their hands up and they're ready to go and so and we start from there and then we go straight to okay choices and other ways of looking at choices because there are alternatives you know you can look at personality you can look at traits you can look at competencies you can look at styles you can look at uh influence and roles and the things that you mentioned etc um but out of all those things we start with choice and we build from choice. And that's for some powerful reasons. Uh, number one, you know, choices are the smallest, meaningful building block that people can get their heads wrapped around. Um, so, so it's kind of like you are a
0: sum of all of your choices and that's the smallest piece of it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, people can zero in on that and say, yeah, I can do something with that and I can build anything and everything from those choices. Um, the second thing is, is that, even though there's a lot of things that go into choice, choice is where our internal world of intention and goals and dreams and converts into our external impact. It's where the rubber meets the road. So that's why it's so critical. Our third thing is we can control our choices, which is awesome because there's a lot of things that we can't control. Um, The fourth thing is uh, we can change our choices Um, hard to change our style, very, very difficult to change personality, but choices, we can make a bad choice in one moment and a good choice in the next moment. And so that gives us a lot of power in our lives and in our leadership and, in working with our teams.
0: And then... um, I'll have so, to play I'm this back because oh, I was going to say I have to play it back because I think you did a Johnny there. You said there's three reasons and then gave us so. four, which for those who know, <laughs> know, us will know that that's a standard thing that we put up three fingers and then give four reasons. <laughs> but, but maybe, but I think it's what just you're, one thing, let me tell you. <laughs> amongst our things. <laughs> so, but but you know, uh, this fits well with the analogy in the book that, that lays out the idea of we have a life path. And that path is made up of bricks that are our choices. And we lay bricks that are red and bricks that are green. And the red and the green are the positive and negative, um, or the negative and positive that way around, of of the model, which is if I'm making green path choices, that's about the greater good. If I'm making red path choices, then that's about me at the cost of other people. So you're breaking it down into this, that each bite-sized brick, if you like, is where the rubber literally meets the road. It is a choice. We have control over it and we can change it. So just because we made a green choice, a red choice today, we can make a green choice tomorrow. Absolutely.
1: I would add two more things, just two, and I promise <laughs> it, is, it is two. Uh, things. Yes, Supposed. there are but two. Yeah. Yes. But two things. So one is, one of the biggest in problems that I guess we see is when people uh, label and stereotype and categorize you know other people themselves. Um, you know Dave's a good guy, John's a lousy guy, you know, supply chains a bunch of you know engineering is. And when we look at choices, or to your point, if we look at the road and we see this marvelous tapestry of all these different colored bricks, it helps us appreciate the complexity that's that's real, and that people aren't just labels or aren't just you know um, one big thing that they're you know a kaleidoscope of different choices, and you know good people can make bad choices, bad people can make good choices, and so it allows us to have much more emotional intelligence about you know, how we operate and how other people operate. And I think that's really important.
0: And we've talked a lot about that in the past. And in a couple of episodes, we talked about our four choices model, which has been around for mm-hmm. a long time. And the idea that we all make choices in all four quadrants, but the aim of leaders is to make more choices in the top half and the bottom half, which is that division again, between the self-focused at the bottom half and the greater good at the top half with the knowledge that we will slip and fall and make choices in the bottom half from time to time. But as the best leaders predominantly make more green choices on a daily basis, as they continue to grow and develop.
1: Yeah. So I think bottom line, just the first takeaway, if you, you know, uh, thinking about today and what we're trying to share with people is if you want to be a better leader, then uh, be a better choice maker. You know, ac- actively make choice making a focus um, for living your life, um, and that's that's sort of the the starting point. And it leads us naturally to the next question: Is okay? Now that I'm focused on choices, <laughs> I'm thinking choices. You know, I'm paranoid about the choices I'm making. Um, The question is, okay, so how do I make better choices?
0: Which is a question we get in a lot of our training because you show people the model and they say, okay, I get that and I can plug into it and I can see it. And Mm -hmm. what do I do with this? Because I'm going back to work tomorrow. So how do we make better choices? Mm -hmm.
1: So we've looked at this a lot and worked with a lot of people and it comes down or boils down to, well, there's three big questions and you (laughs) alluded to them, right? And there really are three. I promise. One is um, we are part of a greater, right? We're connected to people. We interact with people. Um, we're interdependent with people. And so the first choice is, or the first question is, what is the greater good in you know, the situation that we're facing? The second one is, what is it going to take to have impact? you know, to impact or make the greater good. And the third choice is who and how do I, you know, who are the people and how do I engage them in order to have the impact for the greater good? So what is the greater good? What's it gonna take to have impact? And how do I engage people? You ask those three questions, then that that shapes your choice and you're gonna be making great choices.
0: I was having a conversation with a, a non-profit group this morning, and one of the things they identified is that their intent is always to greater good choices because that what drew them to the work. H- however, sometimes mm-hmm. they find uh, a level of martyrdom within that greater good choice. And something we've always mm-hmm. said is that greater good should include self. And so if it's you're okay. martyring yourself at the cost of others, then that's not actually a greater good choice. That the idea being that we look after every portion of that interdependent web of connections.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, to to take that idea of martyrdom and, and maybe use some different terminology, <laughs> you know, there's a lose-win, right? I lose, you win. And that's not a great or good choice. Um, I think sometimes there is, you know, there's a victim or a doormat type of, situation where you know I'm I'm helping other to be people be successful at my expense. So that certainly happens and it's definitely a watch out. I also think that sometimes um when people don't make the connection of helping others helps them, that they they have a like a mentality of lo- uh, win-lose. And so if somebody else is winning, they think I'm losing. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a wrong perspective that in fact, seeing the connection between us, you winning is me winning. My favorite quote is from the Dalai Lama, which is, it's better to be enlightened about our selfishness than to be stupid, which is basically saying, hey, you know, if we're smart about this and aware about this, we realize we are part of the greater good and, you know, lifting others connected to us, you know, can very, can lift us as well.
0: Right. And it's the, even just that focus of uh, the ripple effect that the interdependent web, who am I connected to yep. as I think about the choice and what's the choice that works the best for all of us gets a different level of thinking. Right? So a lot of people mm-hmm. trip up because they have maybe one or two people that they're thinking about and they make the choice that leans that way, but then they miss somebody out. And uh, you know, I was helping a group last week actually map out, some of their connections and they were having some major aha moments because they, they recognize the fact that sometimes the engineering and operations focus on one thing without talking about supply chain. And so Mm -hmm. then supply chain comes in and says, well, how are you going to get the parts here in the time? And they're saying, well, you're going to get them for us. And there's this back and forth because they didn't consider that part of the greater good when they first made the choice. And so then you end up with some level of compromise that has to happen. Uh, which is, is not as good for everybody.
1: So, uh, yeah, I really do believe that a lot of times um, it's not bad intent, you know, or competitive intent. It's truly just a lack of awareness. And like you said, if you just help people stop for a moment and map out or th- talk through, you know, how we're connected that, you know, your outputs are my inputs, my outputs are your inputs, and we make that visible, then suddenly, in my experience, the greater good becomes obvious and compelling mm-hmm. as opposed to arbitrary and, you know, sacrificial.
0: So that, that intentionality is a first step in some mm-hmm. ways, isn't it? Because that, uh, if I have the right intention, I, I may not get it completely right. But if my intention is right, then the way I deal with when I don't get it right will still be right.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you you asked, we talked about, we started this off the second step here about, you know, how do we make better choices? And um, intentionality is a big part of that. And that, again, is a a habit that's, you know, intimately tied to choice making, you know, um, because... it turns out when you get people talking and sharing experiences, you know, we discover that a lot of times we're sort of either on autopilot or we're you know in busyness mode or we're in task mode. And you know, intentionality isn't really an active part of our life experience. And without that, you know, then we lack you know the awareness and then we're really not making you know intentful or conscious choices so that that's a that's a first step intentionality for sure
0: so and and as a as we get to that i mean i'm being intentional about my choice rather than being on autopilot and Mm -hmm. people have probably been familiar with that when they've got someplace and not quite realised how they got there and realize that (laughs) they're actually on on autopilot a lot of the time and we get like that when we're making our choices at work and with the people that are important to us but then absolutely even with that intention, I've been intentional about it and I've missed. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. So one of the ideas there is, you know, we're going to miss. And in fact, um, you know, without going too deeply, uh, we are actually wired to a large degree to miss, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, Uh, instinct that we all have deeply embedded into our DNA and into our nervous system is probably going to take us nine times out of 10, you know, to a bad choice. And it's, it's fast and it's powerful. So there's a good chance that we may miss the first choice. And so, you know, a big part of making better choices is fast recovery. You know, you may not always get the first choice, but there's always a second choice. And as we said before, it can happen fairly quickly.
0: So and that, uh, that fast recovery um, is about saying, yes, I, I get that I'm wrong. Let's work on how we make it better for the greater good here. Mm-hmm. And not looking at all the things that we call our red path, uh, things like blame and defensiveness and avoidance, which there's the natural yeah, okay. tendency to do. It's It's can I actually recognize where we're trying to go recognize that I missed the mark a little bit and recognize what we need to do to keep moving it forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a no, it's really getting to a no blame. And I, I'm, I think about, uh, we published a book in April and one of the groups I shared it with gave us some feedback that it was missing some pieces around, uh, Equity and diversity, especially after the George Floyd situation, and it would have been very easy to to stand there and say, but it's it's in there. It's just it's nuanced. You have to look for it, and that would have been very red path. Uh, and one of the things that we were able to do is Christy and I were able to come up with something along with a bunch of EDI professionals that says, no, this is the piece that we should have put in in the first place. And uh, it's been quite warmly received by, especially in the EDI community, has been you recognized the miss and you fixed it and there wasn't anything that that was you know you didn't uh, h- uh, hesitate at all you just got up and, and and took care of it which by the way chapter nine is available to download from the humanity website under the book section if you want to have a look at that and you've read the rest of the book so we've got this the intentionality we've got the fast recovery what's the next step if we're trying to make these great choices
1: Yeah. So, um, I think where I would go next is, um, a couple of things. Uh, one is, as human beings, we are absolutely learning machines. You know, we can learn and create habits without even thinking about it. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, repetition. So I guess, you know, in order to make better choices, I think I would encourage people to adopt a sort of a total practice regime. And what that means is uh, don't just pull this out when you have the big game. <laughs> in fact, I would actually encourage people, you want to practice intentionality and choice making uh, when it's easy and small and often, because that's the way you build in a sense, the habit or the muscle, so that when you get into the the tougher situations, the bigger games, if you like, um, you've got a strong base to uh, you know work from, and a and a strength and a resilience to work from. So that would be something I would offer: is um, you know just make it part of it, intentionality around you know every choice, every email you send, <laughs> um, you know every comment you make. Uh, every question you ask.
0: So you're talking about practice really and and making it Mm -hmm. part of your practice on a regular basis because you're trying to retrain the muscle memory to think that way anyway. So to really keep it in front of you in whatever way it needs to be kept in front of you so that Mm -hmm. you stop before you send that message, you stop before you make that communication and you just take a moment to think about what's the greater good and what's the right choice to make here.
1: Absolutely. Yep. So to build on that, I think the other thing is just to use a funny analogy is um, look at your diet. And I don't mean your diet of food, but your diet of experiences and interactions. You know, they tell us that we should eat more greens in our, in our physical diet. Um, we can eat more greens in our life diet. And what that means is um, look at what you read. Look at what you watch. Look at who you hang out with. Um, you know, we we can feed ourselves with green path um, and transformative choices. And that builds us and encourages us and you know um, models for us, you know, the, the type of choices that you know we want to be living every moment of every day. Cool. And then obviously watch your red diet.
0: <laughs> I like that linkage. Are you coming over to the vegan side slowly here, John? You're coming over in this direction, aren't you? You know, I am
1: actually, David. <laughs> yep, I agree. So, yeah, so, you know, and, you know, just as an aside, you and I might have a grand old time, right, you know, venting to each other about somebody else. And, you know, we might have a jolly Jolly good time, fun with the whole experience. Um, And we could say nobody got hurt, right? Because we're talking about somebody wasn't even in the room and um, et cetera. But the thing is, all we did for that half an hour was do intensive training and practice on the red path. (laughs) And so it isn't harmless. Um, You know, it's actually harmful. So that's what I mean. You know, look at your red diet look at your green diet and obviously, you know, uh, make, you can make a choice there.
0: Well, that's good linkage too, because the uh, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was something that's come up as we played with this and it's the weaponization of the red path. And mm. it's, it's kind of interesting. Once people have been through the program and they get it, it's not unusual to hear that people have been pointing out that, you know, John, you just went on the red path. And uh, and when they stop and think about it, the the brick that they just laid themselves was red Mm -hmm. and and so the the challenge i quite often have for teams as we're doing this is point out the green in others and the red in you Mm -hmm. because that's just another part of the the practice again is how do i recognize what's green (laughs) (laughs) decisions in others but then own up to the red in me because that creates a better conversation and a different conversation what people have a tendency to do naturally is point out the red in others and want to hold their green up in themselves, as opposed to the other way around. So, so this idea of, of weaponizing it, um, or even the, the kind of venting that you're talking about, um, one of the other the tools I use with people is creating a safe venting space, which is a really dangerous thing. And it shouldn't be a boss, and it shouldn't be HR, and it shouldn't be a significant other. But you should have somebody where you can go in and say, this is a vent, And they don't even have to listen. They just know that you're talking things through openly in your head. And at the end of it, you're going to go away and do something about it. And their job is only to give you the space and then to point you back to where you should be dealing with it. But Mm -hmm. that should be all that they do. We have a tendency to go into a place where we start to vent. And what the other person does, because we're on the red path, they started to reinforce that venting and they're coming down the red path with us and we end up in a spiral. And so the idea of having a safe place is Mm -hmm. part of that. You know, I can go there, but I have to really practice how quickly I come off of that and that I'm doing it in the right way. Mm -hmm. So to build on
1: that, I I might offer, um, it might be even worthwhile. I mean, everybody recognizes the, the idea of venting and you, you know, you've talked about safe venting and then you've defined it, but I, I would offer that, the one venting, if you like, is actually a transformation we we're taking something that we where we're at, and uh, we're working to transform it, you know, starting with its original state and then working it through to you know a green state and then if transformations one, then uh choice, then the other choice is you know reinforcement right. Um, And so I absolutely think, you know, in fact, we encourage people if you before you act as a leader or you engage with people, you first need to start with yourself and starting with yourself means you first need to recognize any elements of, you know, red path that exist, so that you can first transform them so that you're better equipped to then go and be a transformative presence, Mm -hmm. you know, out in the world. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think there's another example from the group I was working with last week and they'll, they'll all know who they are, but uh, was, we were starting a training and the plant manager walked into the room and said, I just laid a red brick outside. We probably all need to talk about it. And it was a beautiful (laughs) way of coming in and saying, I think I just screwed up and I need, Work through it with people in the room so that then we can go back Mm -hmm. out and work out what we need to do to make it better. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, you know, that that gets exciting, right?
0: Well, it's it means that they're having the right conversation, which is what we're looking for Mm -hmm. here, isn't it? If we can have the right conversation, then we've got more people laying red, laying green bricks and making green choices, Mm -hmm. and leadership has suddenly got better.
1: Mm -hmm. So, you mentioned you know, weaponizing the red path, and so there's two you know, victims, if you like, when we weaponize the red path. One is the other, right? Because we turn the other into a problem by labeling them the red path. Um, you know, we create a us versus them. But then as you also identified, the other victim is ourselves because we are now, you know, deceiving ourselves <laughs> as to where we are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, we've hurt ourselves and then we're hurting others and then we hurt us when we put those, you know, two things together. So, um, and, you know, we can get really clever about dressing it up and making it sound all very reasonable and, and wonderfully thought out and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, hopefully we, either we can catch ourselves or somebody, you know, helps us a little bit to, you know, pierce pierce through that and look at what's really going on.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully people have got in the last 20 minutes, a a little bit of food for thought in how they make their choices and how they make a few more green choices and the understanding that John's leaning towards being vegan eventually. So that's going to be exciting too. (laughs) We'll get him (laughs) that way eventually. So um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Appreciate you joining me again, John. Uh, Thanks. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. It's always fun though. Thanks. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley, and we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, till next time we meet, stay healthy.